Open your Bible to Acts 29, verse 1. We're concluding the book of Acts today. So let's go, oh, it's not there, is it? Listen close. We are Acts 29. We are still writing the story. He is not done. Yes, this scripture is a closed canon conversation, but he is not done building his church. We are still to share the gospel. That's our assignment. We are still sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and we are still building his church, and we are still facing, listen close, certain uncertainty. Let me explain. Go to Acts 20, verse 22 through 24. We're going to look today at the Apostle Paul. He is going up and going to face a soon trial that will soon become his end. If you've read Acts at all, read Paul's story at all, you know this is the outcome. And we picked this up last week. We, we, we caught Paul before the governing authorities. And today we're going to look at this verse because I want to turn us back into the mindset that Paul lived by. What kind of thinking went on inside a man's head that would give his life for the gospel? What was his thought process? Like go to Acts 20, verse 22. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, listen close, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are going to face me. Anybody here want to attend a prison and hardship conference at your local church? Paul did. Look back at the text here, verse 24. However, now watch these words close. However, I consider my life worth, what's that next word? I consider my life worth what? Maybe that's the first step for all of us. Maybe that's where it all begins. Paul considered his life of nothing to himself. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of what? Testifying to the good news of God's grace. I just ponder for a brief moment today those simple few verses. And here we have the thought process of a man who would lay it all on the line for the cause of Christ. Who would lay everything aside. I wonder how Paul would live out today in the same thought process. We have today a certain place in an uncertain story. I don't know what's going to happen. I cannot predict the future. I do not know what tomorrow's like or 10 years is like or 50 years is like. I have no idea. I would definitely suggest in the last two years or last 10 years or so, we have definitely been alert to the fact that the present culture is not building itself upon godly principles. And we all know that, and we all see that. It doesn't take a theologian to figure that out. It's just basic common awareness. But I do know this. I know that God's Spirit is with us. 
And I do know that Jesus has commissioned us. And if that doesn't put some encouragement in you, then let's look at what the scripture says about the bigger picture. We know that when we are going out as his ambassadors, that we are sharing the good news, we know his spirit is with us. The spirit of the eternal God is present, and we know that Jesus himself has commissioned us. Let me take you back to 2009 for just a brief second. 2009, 2009, 2009, the year 2009. Seems like it was 100 years ago, doesn't it? It was in this year that Newsweek released an edition, and the front page of the article said the decline and the fall of the Christian America. And in this article, they cited the fact that 3,500 churches close every year. This is 10 years ago. They noted that the church is still open, that 80% of those had declining attendance numbers. What do you think COVID did to that conversation? What do you think has happened in the last 18 months to the local church? But don't forget this. Jesus can still build his church even after a global pandemic. And in this article, they talked about things like this. Listen to this. Listen, just listen close. And this is in 2009. They talked about postmodern thinking, globalization, elevation of ethnicity dialogue. This is in the article. Pluralism and the general demise of the American story at large that has changed the role of the church in the society. This was in 2009. Let me just ask you, have any of those things been central in our thought process or world in the last 18 months? And all these things have shifted the church and the church's place in the culture a few rows back with every conversation. Now what's unique to me is that everything that's talked about in the post-church conversation can be achieved if we do it God's way. Amen. Let me give you an example of this. Our world talks all the time about racial and ethnic equality. True or false? You know how you make that possible? We do it every week at Calvary Church. As we gather together and lift up the name of Jesus Christ in different languages, different backgrounds, because we recognize that the Imago Dei, image of God, is central to the conversation that every person here is made in the image of the Almighty God. And we celebrate that, talk about that, but we don't do it for personal gain. We do it for kingdom-building purposes. We do it every week in here at the Calvary Church. We're building things on his plan. When you look at this, the last several years, the last decade plus has moved the church from central to a place of, well, it's still there. Now, in this thought process for the church to be the church, we must see in the book of Acts 
that it's not a matter of us improving our product. This is not a business that you operate by, hey, how do we make the product better? Can we cut tithes from 10% to 8.5%? Can we offer more resources here or there? Can we do this? Can we do that? That plays right into the heart of consumerism. And that plays right into the idea that if we can make it good enough for you or nice enough for you, then you'll want to jump in. You realize that this book right here was not given us by people that wanted it good and wanted it nice. They gave their everything. They gave their life. This book right here is built upon the man, Jesus Christ, who died upon a cross. He didn't get an improved conversation. He suffered and he died. And as long as we think the key to building God's church is having a better story to tell or a more improved way, we're going to miss the power of the Spirit among us. Tim Keller put it this way. He said, in the past, many of our neighbors could understand traditional Christian thought. Even in preaching, when they would hear things they disagree with, they had a basic premise for it. However, he says, in the last 15 years, when you begin to share the story of Christ, people give you the dumb look. Because that's not the traditional main line of thinking. Again, it's like me sitting in an algebra class. I have no idea what's going on on the board. I mean, I am clueless as can be. And that's our world today. What used to be the norm is no longer. You say, Marty, you're painting a great picture. No, I am painting the opportunity of a lifetime to build his kingdom the way he wants it built. Upon the premise of Jesus as Lord, upon the premise of the power of the Spirit flowing through your life, that's what's before us today. See, the, the, the church that we see in the book of Acts is not present because of earthly governance and legislation. If you read the book of Acts, they were never able to get the Roman Empire to vote their causes. They, they, they were never able to get Rome to go, oh, that's a great idea. We'll do it that way. No, they just put them inside the arenas and let the animals eat them. Right. You understand the premise of the church. You understand this. Now, when you look at this, we need to stop trying to vote in a Christian nation and start living a life of a holistic follower of Christ. Stop trying to vote a Christian culture and be a Christian culture. Be the light of Jesus Christ. Be the light of the world. When they gathered at the Sermon on the Mount, the disciples, the, the people around, Jesus didn't say, go and do this and vote this. He said, go and be salt. Go and be light. You are what we're looking for. Yes. See, the, for the church to be the church we see in the book of Acts, we must live on mission, not just give to missions. We have, we, have, we have abdicated our responsibility through our pocketbooks. I don't want to go witness, but I'll give you 20 bucks to go do it. You're thinking, man, this is just after Thanksgiving. We're still working off turkey back here. Folks, we've got to realize... The church has an assignment. And guess who the assignment holder is? We 
See, the early church didn't talk, they acted. What if next year just each one added one? What if every person here, including me, just each one of us added one person? What, what, what if we realize that that's what shoveling is about? And what if we took the assignment at, to heart that building God's church is not a thought that doesn't give us responsibility? Well, what if we took the approach that building his church is part of God's plan for our life? And what if we took the thought that part of being part of the body of Christ means that you embrace the commission to go and teach what you have been taught? And, and what if we did that next year? What if just one year, Calvary Church, every person hearing my voice today in the house and online, what if every person just simply added how many people? One. Just one. It doesn't sound like a big task, does it? But if you begin to do that and you begin to multiply that over years to come, you realize you will build his church. You say, Marty, are you trying to build a large church? I'm trying to empty hell. I'm trying to see more people go to heaven. I want to see Jesus lifted up. I want to see him exalted on the earth. I want to see every nation, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to happen. I just want to be a part of it. I, I don't want God to build his church around me. I want God to build his church with me. And I want to be part of building the kingdom of God. Anybody else in the house, you go for that thought today? That's all I'm looking for. Now, Paul, Paul's a tough guy to talk about because Paul shows us some formulas. We see through Paul's life the gospel is spread person to person. The, the gospel is spread by conversations in the marketplace. The gospel is spread by talking in the classroom hallways. The gospel is spread by talking at, 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 the, at the corporation. The gospel is spread by talking across the fences in your neighborhood. That's where the gospel spread. And the gospel is shared best by living it out daily, all day long. You are a living testimony. In Luke 14, there's a parable. Don't turn your list. It's called the parable of the great feast. And the master compelled the people of the house to go to the roads, the highways, and the byways and compel them. Everybody say compel them. Come on, say compel them. Come on, say compel them to come in. Compel is with great emphasis, great fervor that you bring them into the conversation. The gospel is shown best as we live by conviction, not cultural compulsion. The convicted life. Let's, let's go to Philippians 3 and let's look at the words of Paul today and, and let's go deeper into his thought process that we may better understand the mind of Paul. Let's, let's push into Philippians chapter 3 and then you're going to hear a story from somebody who Calvary Church impacted almost 20 years ago and to this day they are sharing the gospel in their country. Listen close to Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this 
or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, listen to these words close. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but the one thing I do, everybody say one thing. Everybody say one person. Everybody say one thing. What if we just did one thing for Jesus next year? The one thing I do, listen close, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead of me, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Keep reading our text here, verse 15. All of us then, everybody say all of us. All of us then who are mature, anybody here count yourself a mature believer? I'm not asking you to raise your hand, I'm just asking you to think about these words coming up. All of us who are mature should take a view of things. And if at some point you think differently that God will make it clear to you or God will explain it to you. Verse 16, only let us live up, listen to these words, only let us live, only let us live up to what we've already obtained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us for a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Remember the whole thought process of being a devoted follower of Christ who teaches what you're taught as you live a life that glorifies God? Here it is in this text. It's all coming together. You see it? For as often as I've told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their belly or their stomach or their desires. That's not food. That's desires, by the way. Let that ponder for a second in your heart real fast. Their glory is their what? Shame. Their mind is set on what? On what? Earthly things. Man, what a powerful statement. But our citizenship, he says, our, our identity, our existence, our, our authority is where? It's in heaven. Our allegiance is to where? It's to heaven. That's what this is talking about. He says there, then our mind is set on earth. I'm sorry, I bounced back. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything in his control, watch this, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be glorious like his. Now watch this close. You read the words of Paul. Do you see what the picture looks like? And all of us have to ask ourselves a simple question. And that is this. What is something that's holding you back from your journey with Jesus Christ? What is the thing that keeps you back from being a fully devoted, holistic follower of Christ? What is it? Is it what you're holding on to? Because Paul multiple times has said, let go. Is it your love of this life? Because Paul said, that will destroy you. Is it your identity here? Paul said, we're citizens of heaven. Church, there's so much in this text. But I want you to hear a story of a brother uh, that I just met recently that has an amazing story of how Jesus impacted his life through Calvary Church and through the connection here, he is sharing the gospel 
and a great church in Denmark. My brother, come on up, Professor. You're an awesome guy. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Marty. Welcome. Thank you, and thank you, Calvary. I don't know uh, if you know this, but we actually have a long history together. 20 years ago, you had so many teams in Copenhagen working together with me, my father, and our team there. I want to thank Pastor Wanda and Mark for, uh, for just uh, coming and sending teams uh, together Uh, doing something. And a lot has happened in the last 20 years when you were there. My girls were just babies and now they are grown and they are beautiful and uh, one of them is married already. And um, a lot has happened in Europe as well. Faith in Europe has just really gone downhill in the last 20 years. Uh, we've seen uh, churches being turned into skate arenas. Uh, they have been turned into Uh, restaurants, museums, and some are even turned into mosques. So we decided not just to dwell on the past, but to look forward, and we started to focus on church planting. And 13 years ago, we were sent out to plant a church in a part of Denmark that looks like an elf, and uh, that's where we started the first church. In Denmark, 2% goes to church on a Sunday, and now in that church, 2% of that city goes to that church. So we are seeing the fire of God starting to spread, And uh, two years ago, we launched Open Church in Copenhagen, and uh, things were going great. People were getting saved, healed, touched by the power of God, and the fire was starting to spread. And then five months into the church plant, kaboom, corona, locked down the world. And uh, it's a quite a big problem when your name is Open Church and you are forced to close your church. Uh, and I was freaking out, and a week and a half into it, I was just praying hard. I was just saying, God, please let us survive as a church plan. I cannot really see a way through this. But I went to sleep after praying, and uh, I woke up at 2 a.m., and I had a dream. I had a vision of what I saw was this picture of cars coming to a live drive-in church experience. So we did this a couple of weeks into the lockdown. We started to do, do drive-in church And uh, the local media picked this up, the national media picked it, picked it up, and uh, actually all over uh, Denmark, all the major news, even late night shows started to make jokes about uh, drive-in church. And uh, the morning, uh, Good Morning Denmark, equivalent to Good Morning America, invited me in to speak about nine minutes about hope in the midst of a pandemic. And uh, the... And even, even the international news uh, picked up the story, and in over 40 nations around the world, from Australia to America, they brought news about what God was doing in Copenhagen. But it didn't stop there. We outgrew the parking lot. The church started continued to grow, and we found this other place called Copenhill, uh, and we rebranded it with big signs saying Copenhagen. And uh, within... Within a few months, uh, the New York Times picked up that story, and we had a second wave of news going around the world from New York Times to New Zealand, and God was doing something special. And we see now that God is keeping spreading the fire, and what we want to do is just continue to plant churches and continue to spread the fire of God. We did not just survive, but we thrived. And I know when Jesus said... I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, cannot, will not stand against it. So uh, I'm happy to say that there is a church, churches being planted now, and the fire of God is spreading. And uh, let me just finish with this illustration uh, that will just prove uh, the point that I'm trying to make. The, I had a bonfire in, in the garden, and I was just burning all the trash from the, from the backyard. And uh, the fire was dying out, and what do you do then? 
I did what any man would do. I went to the garage and put up the petrol can, and I thought, okay, we're just gonna get this thing burning again, but I've seen too many YouTube clips of this going really, really bad. So I thought, I better be clever, I better be clever. So the fire was here, and there was a little hill going up, so I poured the petrol down, and my idea was the petrol would go slowly down to the fire, and then we'd, it will start to burn again. So I did that, nothing happened. So. I looked down, I went down and looked, nothing happened. So I went up, poured some more, went back and forth a couple of times, and then suddenly, <laughs> there was a bright shining light, and angels sang from on high, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth with all men. Uh, no, the, the bonfire started to burn, the hill started to burn, and since I had been walking back and forth in petrol, my shoes started to burn, the petrol can started to burn, so I threw it away, and as I throw it away, burning petrol hits my jacket and my pants, so I'm running around the garden, just trying to get the fire to go out, and my wife is standing in the, in the window with the kids just looking out. <laughs> Girls, when you find a man, really, really, really take into consideration what a kind of guy he is. But the thing I want to just share with you is that everywhere I went around in the garden, there was a footprint of fire. And the Holy Spirit wants us to live our life in that sense that every place that we touch will be touched by the fire of God. So when we go into the workplace tomorrow, people in our office are going to be touched by the power of God. When we go into the classroom, people are going to be touched by the fire of God. When we visit our neighbors, people are going to be touched by the fire of God. And I just want to say thank you, church, for everything you have done for my nation of Denmark. I'm so grateful for the history but I'm even more excited about the future together. Thank you so Amen. much. God Amen. bless you. Amen. And God bless you, Pastor. Pastor, Pastor Thomas Christensen. Come on, give it up real fast. Pastor Thomas, what an amazing story. Come on, give it up, Calvary Church. Did you hear what he said? Everywhere I stepped, it became fire. That's what happened in Acts. Everywhere the spirit and power believer would go out to, the Holy Spirit would fall. People would come to know Jesus Christ and the world began to change. That is our call today. Hear me, Calvary Church. Hear me, Calvary Church. Online in the house, Calvary Church has a tremendous 54 plus year history, but we are not done yet. God is still building his church and we get to be a part of that. Is anybody here prepared to take a step and let the fire fall? Take a step and let the fire hit your home. Take a step. Let the fire hit your school. Take a step. Let the fire hit your job. Are you prepared to step out and let the Holy Spirit flow through your life so that everywhere you step, the gospel is spread? That's what it takes to build the church of Jesus Christ. You say, Marty, you're awful excited about it. I am because I know we win in the end. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. When the church rises up, when the church goes to work, when the church does the assignment that we've been given to, the world begins to change. We win in the end. Come on, give God a praise today. Let's give God a praise today.